so, so good to be here. And um, we want to thank Pastor Paul and Pastor Ruth for allowing us to minister today here. It's just such a privilege. Well, we've just been having a ball, a party since we arrived in New Zealand six weeks ago. And the Holy Spirit has been moving so powerfully. Uh, the reason why we're here is I have a sister who lives in Auckland, and she has been married to a Kiwi for 35 years. So um, it's great that she's here. One of our daughters is down in Taronga. Taronga. I always get these names mixed up, but she's uh, with the House of Prayer there, and she is a worship leader. And uh, so it's just such a joy to be, uh, to be here with you. The reason really our hearts are for New Zealand is seven years ago, we were out ministering and we're coming back from Christchurch to Auckland. And as we were, the Holy Spirit came upon me and rose up within me on that plane. And I began to cry and cry very, <laughs> uh, in a way that a lot of people around me didn't know what was going on, on that plane. And the Lord said to me, I'm going to move in New Zealand in an amazing way, in a way that has never been known before. And I will cause new zeal to be back into my people, and they will have the zeal of the Lord to accomplish the purposes of God. And that as a result of the Spirit of God in this land, what's going to happen is that there will be a missionary thrust throughout the nations again, and that this will be a missionary sending country in a manner that has never been seen before either. So I was so uh, touched by that, so impacted, that ever since, if I can have any opportunity to come to New Zealand to minister, we just love that. But just before we start, I'm obviously from Ireland, and so I'd like you, as I'm sure Ruth has taught you in Gaelic, to say, um, to say, um, say, <laughs> God be with you, which is diagwitch. Diagwitch is the Lord be with you in Gaelic. So would you like to... Turn to somebody and say, Diagwitch, this morning, that is, God be with you, God be with the Diagwitch, Diagwitch. How about another one? In Gaelic, we have a particular word for spiritual joy. We have one for secular joy, but we have one for spiritual joy, which is Lucha, Lucha. And so would you like to, and when you, that actually used to be the main greeting in Ireland going back years and years ago. When you met somebody, you said lucha, which means the joy of the Lord be with you. Hey, so would you like to turn to somebody and say lucha? Good, 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 good. Now, I'm amazed because uh, I am so privileged and honored that Ian is here and Sophie because many years ago in Ireland at the Hillsborough Bible Week, with Dennis Harkinson and Bally Clare. We, we, are, we minister in Bally Clare now. I was an Elam pastor for many years, and uh, so such a joy to be here. And lovely to see you both and to meet you both. Praise God. And you know, that your impact that you had around the world is just the forerunning of what New Zealand will yet do throughout the nation. So, and I, I honor, honor all that you have done. And you actually had a major impact on me one Sunday night in Ballyclare, Elam with Dennis many years ago. So thank you. Bless you. So great to be here, to be in a house full of mighty men and women of God. I just so enjoyed. So my wife, Adeline, she's one of my wives. I have six. And she, uh, no, she, is, uh, she is all the way from Zimbabwe. 
And we, we met at the Elam Bible College uh, in Capel in those days uh, under Wynn Lewis and, uh, and uh, Eldon Corsi, and uh, which Ian will know. So anyway. That's great. Sit down then. Let's get no. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Shut up. Uh. <laughs> We're only half the measure we should be. There you go. Now this is truly a divine appointment. And I believe it's a divine appointment for us, but equally for you, for this is the day. This is the day. This day. Today is significant. Please, let's shift into this. Uh, we live in the presence of the Lord. Come on. And every wow. moment is significant. God is in the small details. Don't overlook the small details. We always look for the big things, the big events. But when we find him in the small details, it is beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah. Lovely. No, you won't. No, <laughs> no now listen, we said that uh, we love the bagpipes and the Julian pipes, and we're, we want to stand with Ruth and support her. I mean, she's, her, voice, her voice up there today went so Scottish, didn't it, when she gets up, that that was better than Mel Gibson in Braveheart, wasn't it? And better than Sean Connery any day. Oh, praise the Lord, what an accent, anointed, anointed. I believe in heaven we will speak in Gaelic, I'm sorry about that, but just the way it's going to be. You've got to get used to it. But we are just going to play a little bit of the Julian pipes for you for one minute, just, just to uh, irritate and annoy Paul. Okay, we just got it. Okay, let's just have a minute of it. There you go. That is, you got, you got a, a couple of pictures from Ireland there. One of them is not very far away from us up in the lens of Antrim, and it's a wonderful place. But praise the Lord, hey? I love that God wants every musical instrument to be used for the glory of God, hey, to worship Him, to glorify Him. Actually, had in the service today that 
uh, for Chloe, there's a real Celtic substance in her. And I, I, I said to her at the back there, I feel you really should explore the Celtic music in worship because you carry it in your DNA, something of that anointing. And I have asked her that when she cuts her first CD that she will put one Celtic song on it, worship song on it. So she's promised me that, so that's good. That is good. Come on. Come on, Chloe, rise for it. Okay, I was uh, really blessed yesterday to go down to the beach where Samuel Marston was it. I can never pronounce these names that he did, um, you know, preach the gospel over 200 years ago or whatever it was. The first time to preach the gospel on the shores of, you know, for New Zealand. And uh, while we were down there, I was just blessed by those two texts that I think were part of his preaching that day. Uh, you know, Luke uh, 2, verse 10, uh, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy. I believe joy is a major key in the kingdom of God. I believe joy, the joy of the Spirit of God breaks things that nothing else can. I believe that the joy of the kingdom of God is a huge witness and a testimony to the Christ. Because Christ, actually, you don't possess joy. You possess Jesus, who is Mr. Joy. Do you understand that? We possess Jesus. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? Whew, well, some of you agree with that one. But anyway, and then... And then uh, what is the other, uh, Isaiah uh, 40, verse 30, and they shall rise up with wings like eagles. There are the two, two verses down there. I thought, wow, that he preached. My goodness me, I was so blessed with that. And when we, at, we got out of the car, and then it started to rain and rain, and I thought, I thought this is dirt track. When is it ever going to end? You know, and I thought to myself, one of the most important sites in this country Part, you know, the treaty as well, but that is so significant, and you've got to go down this dirt track to get to it. I thought, Lord, I pray they'll make that a really, a, you know, a, a tourist place where people can go and our believers can go and just thank God for the gospel coming to this nation. But anyway, it started to rain and rain and rain, and here we are with an umbrella in, in sandals and short track, you know, shorts, just trying to move through, down through the, uh, you know, down to where the cross is, and I said, look, let's go back. She said, no, we've got to get down there. We've got to get down to the beach. And it was just such a blessing. But on the way back, we were praying. We were praying most of the time going down and coming back because we of the call of God upon this land, the call of God upon this land. And why shouldn't, if God's going to and is going to and is so moving in this nation, why shouldn't it be out of Kerry Kerry? Why shouldn't it out of be this part where initially it all happened why shouldn't it be again? Amen? Praise the Lord. So, wow. Praise the Lord. And you know, I'm excited because it says in uh, Psalm 77, verse 14, he says, I, uh, God is the God who performs miracles and displays his power amongst the people. And praise God, this last year, in this year, we've had a miracle. Ireland beat New Zealand in the rugby. And that's a miracle. That is such a, so I, you know, miracles are starting to happen again, <laughs> and I just love it. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Good, okay, let me uh, share with you this morning. Uh, it's very difficult because, I, I, what time do I have to finish at? Is it before tea time? Oh, there it is there, and I've got to finish at what time? 20 past, okay, so we've got to really move here. Um, I've got quite a lot I'd love to share with you, and that's going to be difficult to fit it in, but not to worry. 
the Lord knows what. But anyway, I want to share with you maybe two things uh, and, then, and then a message. <laughs> anyway, but here we go. The first one, am I okay? Am I too loud for you? Are you okay with me? You sure? Okay, good. Um, oh, praise the Lord. Okay, I, I saw in the spirit a banner, a, a, a flag. It was a flag, okay? And it talks about in Isaiah 51, verse 27, it says, raise up a standard in the land and blow the trumpet throughout the nations. That is part of your call. That's what's going to happen in New Zealand. God is going to raise up a standard first in this land, and from that, a trumpet, a sound is going to go out through the nations. Amen? A sound of heaven, a sound of the gospel like never before is going to be released. And that sound is going to impact so many, 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 many lives. So God is raising up a standard in the land here first. And that is through the church that that's going to happen. And there's a lot of gaining back what has been lost. There's a lot of decisions that have been made in New Zealand's history at times that weren't so good and that have brought about a lot of consequences that have, are not so good. But this is a time for the church to rise up and to take back what's been lost. What's been, I, last, I woke up this morning and the Lord said to me, turn to Acts chapter 29. Would you do that with me now? Turn to Acts chapter 29, please. And I guarantee it, you're not going to find it. Because there is only 28 chapters in Acts. So for a moment, the Lord fooled me. I turned to Acts chapter 29, and, I thought, and then I thought, Lord, what's that all about? And the Lord said to me, I desire that the church in New Zealand, and can I say specifically for you, because this, I've got it in context of here, that you are not to recover the church of Acts, but you are to build on it and go further. The church in Acts was only the beginning we are actually to be further ahead, so much further ahead at this stage, and we need to catch up to where we need to be. So we're in Acts chapter 29 as such because we're the continuation of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? And the Lord showed me Acts, A-C-T-S, Atmosphere Changers Transforming Society. Atmosphere Changers Transforming Society society, or you could put it this way, atmosphere changers touching souls. Isn't that good? It isn't, it isn't just us sharing with people the good news. We are to be atmosphere changers. The kingdom of God pervades and invades everything. The kingdom of God, it says in Matthew 13, is like yeast working right through the dough. So we are atmosphere changers. If I walk into a restaurant, I do expect to change the atmosphere there. If I walk into a shop, I expect to change the atmosphere. I used to, when I walked into a barber, expect to change the atmosphere, but I'm only there for two seconds because there's not a lot of work to do. <laughs> I walked into the barber's recently and said, would you cut my hair? And he said, which one? <laughs> But let's be honest, every great man comes out on top. But um, so we are atmosphere changers. I need a few more amens. I'm not used to, to people being so quiet 
in a sense. I remember when I went and I preached in Clapham, the Elam Church in Clapham, in outside London, and there were so many, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, folks there from Africa, etc. And uh, so when I said something like, you know, the Lord is really good, they went, "Amen, preacher brother." And I got a fright. I, I, I jumped back. I thought, my goodness me. And after every second, third statement, they came out with, hallelujah, preacher. And then there was a break, and I was doing another session. And the pastor said, he said, you, do, you are aware. They're saying, preach it, brother, because you're preaching well. If you don't preach so well, they're going to say, help him, Jesus. And I, <laughs> for the rest of that conference, I was frightened when I hear a help of Jesus coming out. <laughs> from the crowd, you know, so I ban you from saying that, but you can do a hallelujah, praise the Lord, or preach it, brother. Okay. I can get away with a lot because I'm a mad Irish man. I'm a mad Irish. Hey, come on. Glory. Did you hear about the, you know, this guy, he was, uh, he was drunk and he was driving his car and he was, he was really going down the middle of the road. He was flying down in his car in the middle of the road and in Ireland, in the southern Ireland, it's called the Gardaí. And the Gardaí, the police called him over, pull, pulled him over and said, do you realize you are going down the middle of the road in your car? That is so ridiculous and unsafe. And he said, but sure, it says in my driving license, tear down the dotted line. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Preach it, brother. Help him, Jesus. Help him, Jesus. I praise the Lord. One of my main aims is to get rid of every religious spirit in the meeting, <laughs> if possible. But there's not many here. They're not here anyway, so we're okay. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's get down to business. Um, I saw this, uh, uh, this flag, okay? And uh, so when it says a standard in Scripture, actually Isaiah 62 verse 10 says what? Isaiah 62, verse 10. I'm looking to you because I don't know. But anyway, it's, uh, it's something to do with uh, clear the way and take the stones out of the pathway and make a clear way. And it says the last statement is raise up a standard or raise up a banner. Isaiah 59, verse 19. Uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will what? Will raise up a standard against him. Now, I... I felt the Lord saying, this is not a negative thing, but can I tell you, the enemy's not a happy bunny. He is not a happy bunny with what's going on in New Zealand. And can I say, normally the enemy's more aware of what God's doing than the church is. Very aware of it. And he will try to abort as much as possible. He'll try and kill the child at that baby stage, right at the beginning. That will be his desire. And I want to say to you that this standard that is being raised, raised up is the enemy's really frightened of, the, of what that's going to mean for him. The consequences to the kingdom of darkness are massive with regards to this because this does not just involve you. It involves thousands, if not millions of people around the globe. Do you understand that? That's a, you know, that's a big thing. When the Lord showed me, he said to me, this is the hour. This is the hour, and you know HR is an abbreviation for hour, and the two words that came up were humility and responsibility. Humility and responsibility. When the people of God walk humbly with God in humility, not in a false humility, I'm not talking about that, I, I, that humility does not negate that I am the head, I'm not at the bottom. 
I'm at the top. I'm not at the bottom. Do you understand that? My hu being hu be walking in humility does not negate authority. In actual fact, it enhances authority in the kingdom of God. And the enemy cannot deal with humility when it's true, pure, and of the Spirit of God. And we can walk humbly when we're in that place where we're secure in who we are. When you're not secure, in actual fact, the Lord showed me three strongholds that are over New Zealand still. And this is general, but it is there. Three, because when you come into a nation from another, you often pick up things. Three strongholds. Number one was pride, independence, and judgmentalism. Being judgmental. You see, when, you, when, when we operate out of pride, out of the soul, we actually, an, an independent spirit, we actually are participating in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you do that, you will make wrong judgments because you're assessing everything out of what you think is good or what's right and what's wrong. Only with the mind of Christ can we operate in true discernment. Out of ourselves, we will not. We are constantly making judgments, uh, opinions about situations, about people, when the Lord says, you're seeing that completely wrong, son. You're, that's all been filtered through your experience, your grid. But in actual fact, you've got to see it from my perspective. Okay? And I believe, I believe God's people in this land are going to really step, rise up and walk in the opposite spirit. You see, that, that, that independent spirit is actually what brought the pioneers to this land. They were, they were adventurers. They were independent. They were ones who were going to step out of the boat and say, we can go and we can do it. But then the enemy loves to twist our strength and use it for his own ends. In actual fact, your strengths are a target for the enemy because his weaknesses he often won't go for. He'll go for what is your strength and try to use it in a way that is soulish. Do you understand that, how he does that? So, see, God is raising up a standard. Am I correct? So, the word standard there in Jeremiah 51, 27 is the Hebrew word nek, N-E-C. And it means either a banner, as a flag, a sail. Do you know where it talks about in 1 Peter uh, 1, or 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 1, 2 uh, Peter 1? <laughs> At the end, it talks about men being, the prophets of old were moved along by the Spirit of God. I do think that's the imagery of a sail being erected and the wind of it filling it and blowing them along. So, okay, so we want to raise up a sail that the Spirit of God can blow on and fill and move along in the anointing. Amen? So this, this flag, this flag, it was red. Okay, it was red in color. I'm going to tell you what was on the flag in a moment. Are you still with me? Okay. I, I did not get this for New Zealand. This is for you. This was for you. I saw this all in the spirit for you. Right? So this flag was red. Red in dreams represents wisdom, anointing, and power. You never want to operate in, in anointing and power without wisdom. You need wisdom for every aspect of moving in the anointing. Otherwise, you can, bring, you can do a lot of damage. Because that anointing, like Samson, had anointing but didn't have a lot of wisdom to go with that. So you need wisdom, anointing, and power. Can I tell you, you have a lot of wisdom, you have a lot of anointing, and a lot of power because Christ in you is all of that. All of that. And there is no more for you to get. Sorry about that, but you got it all. You have it all 
You've already got all the wisdom because Christ is that wisdom for you. He is the anointing in you. He is the power, that resurrection power and life in you already. So, come on. Oh, I'm getting excited. Excite, excite, excite. Picky, wow. Shaka Wow, Lord, I love it. Just raise your hands and say, Lord, it's good. Because you are good. All the time. Amen. Wow. So that wisdom is key. Praise the Lord, and God has given it to you. But, you know, sometimes the Lord, in his wisdom, does not allow you to release the anointing, the power beyond where your wisdom is. And pray that he won't allow it. Pray that he won't allow the anointing and power to go beyond where your wisdom is exercised. You have the wisdom, but functioning in wisdom is different to possessing wisdom. When you function and exercise it, then the Lord says, now I can allow the power to flow through you more and out of you. It's already there. Never ask the Lord for more power. He doesn't understand. It's double dutch. He doesn't know what you mean by that because, as I said, he's given you all power. You know, you've got to pray. Listen, we've got to learn to pray properly. Is that okay? We've got to learn to pray properly. Many, many years, I'm off here, I'm off track here, but I'm going to get back in a moment. But the Lord taught me many years ago. He said, Clive, when you ask me for something, don't ask me again. Don't ask me twice. Because he said, a person only asks twice if they doubt that you heard the first time. God's not hard of hearing, so we're okay on that one. And secondly, he's not too busy that he forgets. So why ask God twice? So what is the principle in prayer that is absolutely key? Now, can I say there are certain things that you will ask the Lord for twice, that's, and, and I can't go into it today because it's not what I'm preaching on, but I do feel there is this aspect in prayer where you only ask once. For example, if I ask the Lord to save somebody, I'll never ask him for that again. Never ask the Lord to save somebody twice. That was a revelation to me. No one taught it to me, and the Lord took me on a journey where a Catholic priest was a man that I, the Lord said to me, I want you to pray that man into the kingdom. And he said, you'll pray my way, not your way. And so this Catholic priest was in uh, an area of uh, Southern Ireland, which was predominantly Roman Catholic, and nothing against Roman Catholics at all. I'm just saying that this particular priest was very anti anything outside of this, uh, outside of the Catholic Church, because that's the, the mindset in Southern Ireland, if you understand me. So, um, and this priest was threatened by the work that was being doing. It was an Elam church, but we were seen as a cult, okay, because of just of that setting. So this, this, this particular priest, and the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to pray him into the kingdom, and I want to teach you a principle. And the Lord said, turn to Colossians 4, verse 2. That was the principle he gave me. It says there, be devoted in prayer, or the NIV, continue in prayer, watching in the same with thanksgiving. So, the Lord started to teach me a principle. You ask once, you keep watching because your faith is being exercised in that, and you keep looking for results, right? With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. So, when I prayed for this man, Lord, he's going to get saved. He's coming into the kingdom. He is already saved. Amen. Amen. So the next time I came to pray, I came. Thank you, Lord, he's saved. 
Amen. Because I speak of things that are not as if they already are because God is the God who speaks in such a manner. So I said, okay, Lord, thank you. This man is saved. And then I just felt to say, Lord, is there anything else? He said, pray that he'll meet a mighty man of God. Pray that he'll meet a mighty man of God. I had never met this man. He's in the same town, but he wouldn't come near me. He wouldn't come near me because he knew who I was. And the, and the church as a whole, that Catholic church as a whole in that town, when this church, Elam Church began, he got up and he said, don't you dare go ever into that other place. He said, I'm going to sit outside in my car for the first couple of weeks to make sure none of you go in on a Sunday morning. And he did. And he did. That's the type of situation. So I prayed that prayer. A week later, he, he drives straight into the front of my car. Isn't that amazing? He drives straight into the front of my car, head-on collision. And I thought, you know, when you have the accident first, you're all over the place. And I got out of the car, and I couldn't believe it. There he is in front of me. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry. It's my fault. I said, yes, it was. <laughs> sign. Sign it here. It's your fault. <laughs> he said, no, it's all my fault. He said, sorry, da-da-da-da. So anyway, I thought, oh, Lord, this is amazing. Here he is. He, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, pastor, uh, you know, priest and all this type of thing. Anyway, he introduced himself to me. And uh, anyway, he said, look, come around to my house and we'll sort this out. Come around to my house. So anyway, went around to his house and the Lord said, praise God, that's number one done. He's met a mighty man of God. <laughs> so we're okay, you know. I'm actually quite humble. I wrote a book on humility. And, uh, and my sequel was The Ten Greatest Men in All the World and How I Met the Other Nine. But <laughs> okay. Anyway, so why I'll tell them. Um, where were we, Paul? Oh, we met him in his house. Oh, yeah, come on. Amen, amen. Jesus, help him. Right, come on. Where were we? Yes, so, so I came back to the Lord, and I said, Lord, right, Lord, um, thank you that he's, he's saved. Thank you that he's saved. Then the Holy Spirit said, you need to do some spiritual warfare over this man's life. The enemy has him deceived, has him locked in. So I started to go on a season of doing warfare over this man's life and did that for a a couple of weeks with regards to when I was praying for this man. But I would always begin by saying, thank you, Lord, he's saved. And then the, then the Lord said to me, pray that he will get a, 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 um, a exposure to the gospel. Somebody which will share with him the gospel. He meets me a couple of weeks later. He said, oh, I got a, Clive, I got a video. It was a video in those days. He said, I got a video from a man in, in Canada who's a, a Father, father, so Donald something, and he's, um, he's one of these sort of born-again people. And, but it's very interesting. Would you come around and watch it with me? Because I've been watching it, and he's very different to very different priest than I've ever met. And uh, so we did that, and he said, what do you think of that? I said, that's pretty good, you know. Yeah, that is pretty good stuff. He said, wow. So anyway, anyway, let me shorten this down. There was a couple of more steps in prayer. And the last one was the Lord said to me, pray that he will go into a meeting and give his life to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's saved. Hallelujah. I'm watching for what God's going to do. Well, actually, it was amazing because you will find that often when you're praying like this, that you're going to be the answer to the prayer. You often could be that. And so anyway, we had an evangelist come to us from England for a meeting. And he was actually doing inner healing sort of ministry. But he always begins his first night with an evangelistic 
message, a guy called Clive Caulfield from England, and uh, he gave a powerful message that night on the gospel. This priest had come, and he was the first of the bunch to give his life to the Lord. I want to encourage you today, power in prayer is unbelievable. But we have been taught a lot of things about prayer that are really off the rails compared to God. Do you know what I mean? Let's, for example, for example, I, this, you're going to maybe find this quite hard to take on board, so, and maybe you'll throw me out for heresy. But I actually believe this is very important. I, you know, many years ago, many, many years ago, the Lord said to me, son, never ask me to forgive you again. Never ask me to forgive you again. I said, Lord, what? He said, Clive, I forgave you everything 2,000 years ago. I forgave you everything. You do not need to. He says, I'd love for you to say sorry, because as a dad to a son, if I muck it up to daddy, I'm sorry. Just the recognition. And I love at times to confess my sins to somebody else, my wrong behavior or whatever, in order that the enemy never gets a foothold. So we bring everything into the light in order that the enemy does not get a hold in that situation. But that's not con I'm not confessing to him. I'm confessing to somebody else who I trust in order that I'm accountable and that we can work through an issue of behavior that still needs to be changed. Is that right? That's the way. So that liberated me. That liberated me. And you will come up with many verses, and if you do so, ask Paul or Ian, they'll sort it out with you, what it really means. Okay, I don't have to tell you that. But I know that. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You know, when it says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive those so that your fa Heavenly Father can forgive you. He's not saying about the principle of being forgiven. It's just that you can't enjoy it if you have bitterness in your heart towards somebody else. You, you lock yourself into a prison, not that God's doing it, because that unforgiveness in you towards somebody else robs you of what already is yours. Do you understand that? So that's the key to that. Whoa, 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 whoa. All hands in the air. All hands in the air. Woo! Good, good, good. I love it. I love it. Okay, now, I, oh, let's get back to the banner. Anyway, no, I'll get back to the banner in a moment. But do you know, do you know what I saw? I had a dream. Paul was in touch with me. And when we were touching, oh, give me some anointing. When we were on the phone, yeah, actually all he's doing is activating what's already within me, so it's okay. But anyway, what, what, what happened was, shook up, oh, heavy. Wow, I love that. <laughs> okay, where were we? Where were we? Talk, she, and us. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a dream, and I was in, in this church, right? I was in this church, and I was up on the platform, just like this. Right? And I knew I was in this church. This was after the day you rang me. That night I had this dream. And I was up here and I was preaching two verses of Scripture on this platform. And the two verses were Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know what I got excited about that is? That at the very beginning of God me speaking in this place, which I haven't done in that sense, that's okay, but it was actually showing me that Jesus Christ is exalted in this place. The man, Jesus Christ, the man, the second Adam, is lifted high and exalted, that the Christ is given his rightful place, that it's all about him. It is all about him because we are in him and he is in us. And as he is, so are we in this world. 
Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's he is the Christ, the glorified one in us. I love this truth. I'll get back to this in a moment. I love, I've got so much of love. Oh, so anyway, I love this truth. The fact is, do you know, the Jesus that walked the earth is not the Jesus that lives in me. He's not the Jesus who lives in me. Because the Jesus that walked the earth in the economy of salvation, he actually limited himself, and he did not operate in glory. He operated in total dependence upon the Holy Spirit in order to identify with man, with man's sin and everything else of the humanity of man. If we walk only in what Jesus was like on earth, we're, we've missed it. We've actually missed it. Because the Christ in you is the glorified Christ, and the fullness of the second Adam is released. That is good preaching, Clive. That is good preaching. I want to tell you something, honestly. The most wonderful, I've had many visions. I don't have dreams because it says, oh, men will do those. <laughs> I don't do, I only have visions still. By the way, can I say, when I think it says there in Joel 2 that your old men will dream dreams, I think it is that old dreams that have died will be reawakened. Things that they've lost along the way and that the enemy's robbed from them and dreams that have been shattered are restored again in them. Old men will have dreams again. Their vision will be restored and they will move in it. Come on, love it. But anyway, so it's okay, Paul, hold on. <laughs> it's coming, those dreams are coming. <laughs> anyway, let me tell you this. I was sitting down one day. This is one of the most powerful visions I've had. I was sitting down one day, and in front of me, now I'm not saying in a, in a, a, a spiritual say, a way, this is an open vision right in front of me in my physical eyes, was a supernatural being. Beautiful glorify, glory, fire, magnificent being, which I couldn't make out the distinct features of their face or anything because there was so much light coming from this being that I couldn't make it out. But I actually was sitting there and my, my knees were going like this a little because, listen, you know, I, yeah, anyway, if you see an open vision like that, you, I think, maybe will your knees might shake a little bit. Because it is awesome what you're talking about. And I said, I said, I said, Lord, is that you? I said, Lord, is that you? And there was no answer from this being. But inside, there was a voice that said no. And then I said, Lord, I said, I said no, is that an angel? <laughs> Are you an angel? And a voice inside said no. And then the voice inside me said, you're looking at your human spirit. You're looking at your regenerated, miraculous, glorified, justified, righteous spirit. That changed my whole, do you know, when I had that revelation, I shifted from sin conscious to righteous conscious, God conscious, glory conscious. I don't see anything changed in my life by focusing on the negative. But when I focus on who I really am in God, 
of which my spirit man already moves in the fullness of, I am changed by that. I meditate not on sin or anything. I meditate on who I am in Christ, who my spirit is, and I am changed because I, my spirit man is not changed from one degree of glory to another. My soul is as a catch-up says where my spirit is. Isn't that right? Sorry, you're looking at me a little bit. Do you understand my accent? Okay. <laughs> but I love it. I've got to stop now. But listen, oh, I can't believe it. But it's so exciting. It revolutionizes our lives. Praise the Lord. I don't, I, you know something, I, I, I really say this in a, in a right way. You maybe won't understand this fully yet, but, and I don't say that condescendingly at all, but, you know, I, I, in a sense, I don't sin. I may have wrong behavior because sin is not the issue anymore. I don't believe that 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 was written to believers. I've used the Gnostic situation with some believers. So, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you. That, that, that's right. It's, it's, it's dealt with. It's a one-off when you were born again. So we don't go back there. Leave it. We are, not, we are still trying to work towards things, which we work from it. We work from it. It's already done. I, I, I don't have to get it right because Jesus got it right for me. But I will get it right because he's right in me. He is my righteousness. Do you understand that? This is a key. It's such a key. Anyway, my time's gone. Oh, dear. Anyway, so glory, glory. I was sorry. I, didn't, I never got onto the banner at all, really, and all that was on that. But another time. Another time. But I want to, listen. Listen. The Lord said to me this. The Lord said to me this. In the last days, because to remember... You see, on that plane, when New Zealand came up, it said New Zeal. Zeal. Zeal is part of God's armor. When it talks about in Isaiah 9 that he's got, his government will know no end, he'll establish shalom, his peace over the whole of the earth. He says the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And if, if the Lord's zeal is needed for him, I think I need it. I need to operate in that same zeal. And in me, Christ is that zeal. But my ability to cooperate with the spirit man to release everything that's in my spirit man so that I can walk in the fullness of who the Christ is and that Christ can be fully revealed in me, I need to cooperate with my spirit man. The Holy Spirit will not move in your soul in outside or independently of your spirit man. The Holy Spirit moves through the agency of your spirit man to accomplish everything. If you know the Holy Spirit only operating in your soul, it will evaporate and be gone tomorrow. You'll get a good feeling factor, but in a week's time, you're back to square one. But if you tap into your spirit man and allow the Holy Spirit flow through your inner man, that way you will be consistent and you will go from one degree of glory to another. Come on, this is the life we're called to. Come on, stand with me, will you? Let's just pray. Wow. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to be here today. And I ask Holy Spirit today that we will submit our soul to our spirit man, that we don't want to live independently of our spirit man, of which the spirit of God moves mightily. 
We want to today say, Lord, we're tired of trying to do it out of our own self, effort, and our own works. And we want to learn to rest in our spirit man and draw from our spirit man and cooperate with our spirit man and submit to our spirit man so that the life of Christ, the Zoe life of Christ in us may flow through us abundantly to impact our lives, impact our relationships, impact our workplaces, impact our schools, impact our communities. Lord, impact this nation, impact the nations, Lord. We rise today knowing, Lord, that our new identity is complete in Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ, and no longer do we pray to heaven, but we pray from heaven. We pray from heaven, and we submit to the Spirit in our spirit, man, and say, have your way, and your will be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.